You're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about the business and culture of book selling in the 21st century. I'm your host, Vic Singh. Before we begin, if you like what we're doing, there are a couple of ways to help us out. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show via Patreon. Finally, I'm excited to announce a cool partnership with Libro.fm. Libro.fm is the first audiobook company to directly support independent bookstores. They make it easy for you to listen to more audiobooks at a great price, all while knowing you're helping your community thrive. Learn how to get your first month for 99 cents at bookstories.show. Today's conversation is with Alex Maslansky, general manager and partner at Stories Books and Cafe in the Echo Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. Stories is right on Sunset, somewhere in between Silver Lake and Dodger Stadium. It opened during rough economic times, but has been going strong for about 10 years. Alex came to Stories from BookSoup and had some interesting things to say about the industry, society at large, and just about everything else I threw at him. We spoke over the phone back in April. Here's our chat. Enjoy. So when I first moved to town, um, I, I live in Silver Lake now, but when I first moved to town, I used to hang out at the store and it was kind of a third place for me when I was getting my bearings and figuring things out. So, um, and that's kind of the theme that I've been getting from a lot of stores is that this whole, this whole notion of, of third place. So, uh, thank you for being that third place for me when I first came to LA. Um, oh, yeah. What's the origin story of the store? Give us a little bit of history, uh, and then ultimately how and when you became a part of it. Um, the origin is Liz Garrow and Claudia Colodro opened it in 2008. I think they, they met through a mutual friend, and they saw... Uh, I mean, Liz helped open the Echo and books bands there. So she's been around Echo Park. I'd been around Echo Park for a while, and there's definitely need for, you know, some sort of community loci focus. And was there a bookstore in Echo Park during that time? No, there wasn't. Um, so I, they opened the store. I started about two weeks in after the doors opened and have been there ever since. And how did, did you know them from, did you have like a prior existing relationship with them or did you just, no, they, they had uh, brought on John Tottenham, who was a friend of mine prior to the store opening and after their first guy didn't work out he suggested they reach out to me which they did and and it was it was instant comfort yeah you've been there since since the beginning it sounds like did you have yeah. a did you have a book selling any book selling experience prior to that or yeah i worked at book soup in west hollywood for 7 years and uh couple weeks at a Barnes and Noble in Olympia, which was brutal. I'm sure so different. Um, so you guys opened in November, 2008. Uh, the neighborhood has changed a lot since then. It's changed a lot since I've been in the neighborhood. Um, overall, has the change been good? Has it been positive for business? Yeah, for business, for sure. In terms of like the lease, is it a bookstore friendly situation? Uh, that's to be determined once once our latest extension runs out. But we're good for a few more years, and and you know the suspense is exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, that's it's the kind of the one thorn in most indie stores' side is that the you know when rents go up, the coffee shop next door can raise can raise the prices of the coffee and the other things, but you booksellers can't raise the price of books. It doesn't. Uh, they're not. Really, yeah, they're so- not 
the last product with prices uh, pre-printed on them. Right. What's the story with the logo? Is there a story with the logo? Yeah, the logo was designed by a man who this year actually just won a Grammy for Best Album Design. No way. Yeah. Who, who is he? Um, I only actually got to meet him once. He seemed like a swell guy. One second, let me get his name. Oh, okay. Sorry, I can't remember what his name is. No, I'm just fascinated by the fact that he won a Grammy. Do you know what album he won a Grammy for? Yeah, I'm looking it up now. Okay. They're not making this easy. I'm guessing he had um, a relationship with Liz. Is that kind of the nexus between the logo and... I, yeah, I believe so. I bet I believe they met through the music world. We can even keep going, and then if you find it, I can like put it back in. Bookstores being an underdog, I think, has sort of become like a cultural trope, like a very convenient way of expressing how culture has changed. Like bookstores in particular become sort of like the whipping post of the digital age. But in reality, I think statistically, book sales have been growing um, consistently for the last few years. Ebook sales have flattened out consistently for the last few years and new stores have opened at a faster pace than they closed after uh, the recession in 2008. So there's, I mean, you know, the world, this country, the people are responding in a way that just validates, you know, all bookstore enthusiast conviction that a world without decent bookstores isn't really one worth participating in. It's true. You know, you touched on a good point. Dozens of small bookstores across the country are actually starting, you're starting to see multiple locations. Then they're becoming sort of these mini chains. San Francisco's got a got a, a chain. Seattle's got a store that's got a, a handful of locations now. Brooklyn's also doing the same thing. And I'm kind of surprised we're not seeing that in Los Angeles. Uh, I, do you guys have any ambitions or any plans to extend beyond Echo Park? We thought about it a whole lot um my hesitation is is bookstores to me are such like a unique product of their environment so opening a store in another neighborhood it wouldn't necessarily be the same thing it would be a reflection of that neighborhood so i mean yeah. I, I wouldn't want to like bring a preconceived idea and try and it's like bring bring that's something that's not an organic outgrowth of a community so part of your formula is the neighborhood it, or, yeah, or mo sure. most of the formula is your neighborhood in terms of what you stock, who you hire, the types of things that you serve in the cafe. Uh, and that might not translate from one part of L.A. to another or one neighborhood to another. I mean, I think I would. But then I think we fear that it would it would become, you know, primarily a business concern rather than than a cultural and personal concern. The patrons at the store, are they largely like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much data you guys capture or how, you know, how much you track things that are walking, people walking through your store, but is it mostly local or do people travel from around town? Like what, what, like what's your general sense of the kind of people that walk through on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm, well, I mean, it's, it's changed super dramatically in the last few years, but I think, you know, primarily, it's locals. What's There's changed? Definitely a, 
there's definitely a lot more tourists you hear okay a whole lot more panoply of foreign actions coming through okay um and you know people people are traveling around the people there's people who would have avoided echo park uh, a few years ago now feel comfortable checking it out so there's you know there's people from outside of la there's people from around the world there's lot lot more dramatic influx of personalities and sensibilities which is good it keeps things exciting for sure do you guys have a formula yeah i mean but it's it's what we stock is so um subjective to to our own tastes yeah i've noticed i've noticed you guys have a you have some interesting sections in the store that that are not in other stores like you guys i don't know if this is like a if this is instinctual or if this is on purpose where you your sections are very descriptive and specific to i guess kind of the the brand and the culture that that's inside your store is that is that fair yeah i think so i mean i why my philosophy in stocking is things given given a, a a generous amount of time i would like to read you know what i mean yeah yeah like you know i'll order stuff even if i know i'll probably never get around to it in a perfect world it's something that i would be curious then there, you know we always got to throw try and minimize it as much as we can but uh stuff stuff that i know people relentlessly ask for Sometimes, sometimes we'll stock at a convenience sake. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. And it sounds like you're stocking your wish list. You just have a you have a pile of books that you want, you want to eventually read, or you know you want to read at one point. And your your store is a reflection of yourself, which is and and, the, and obviously the community. Do people yeah. do people do they come in with a purpose, or do they come in for discovery, or is it is mm, it is it both? I'd say most most people come in to browse, and I always. Am, for people to let the book choose them so to speak and when you know people asking for suggestions is my favorite thing that's when that's when i feel like i'm serving a legitimate purpose yeah in the moment um you know then most i would say a majority of the people coming through are just looking to maybe find something you know, hoping, hoping to find a book that speaks to them. And a few are looking for something very specific, which we may or may not have. What sells really, really well that you're kind of surprised by? Poetry. I'm always amazed. Poetry is probably one of our best-selling sections. Do you have any idea or any thoughts on why? Um, I think poetry slows things down. Hmm. Which, you know, consciously or not, people, people will you know, psychically, emotionally respond to having to sit and process something at, at a slower pace than most things get done these days. That's a really interesting thought. That's actually yeah. kind, of, that's kind of great. Um, not being able to compete on price means you've got to have a laser focus on curation and discovery. And you talked about it just a few moments ago. But uh, what is your curation process? I know you pick things that you like to read, but do you, um, beyond that, is it largely instinctual? Do you use any technology? It, what's your, like, w- how do you approach curating the store? I mean, it's purely instinctual. I mean, I'm, I manually go through all the upcoming releases month to month. And, you know, I set a budget and I work within that budget to try and get the best shit I could find. You guys sell new and used, so you're a hybrid store. Yeah. 
Um, what happens to the used titles that don't sell? Where do they go? Um, we have a dollar cart outside. Usually they'll end up there. And that usually clears them out every time? Yeah, but we've gotten pretty good at, at uh, our buying, so okay. not a lot ends up back there. Good. If you had to put a number on it, what percentage of your customers walk in for a specific thing, but then leave with one or two other titles they never planned or heard of? Mm, tough to say, but... 60, 60% I'd hope. The idea I'm trying to get at is that people people come there with the expectation or, or, or maybe not necessarily an expectation of getting one certain thing, but they always they always come away with something else. And that's part, yeah. of, the, part of the value, part of the alchemy that you guys have in your space. Yeah, well, well you know, we, we try to very strategically place irresistible books in places people, people will um, be uh, compelled to pick up. It's manipulation. People people come in for, you know, a rupee cower book and then they they get intrigued by uh society of the spectacle, which might be really close by. Yeah. Like one like one one of my favorite you know, surrealism was, was one of well, growing up one of my very favorite philosophical art movements and juxtaposition plays such a huge role in the philosophy. So that's that's my own private satisfaction is, is just playing with the juxtaposition of titles, even if I'm the only one that knows uh, yeah, that, that there is a yeah. connection. As long as you're the one that knows it's intentional, that's all that matters. You know, if, if you get, um, if you get one or two people that recognize it and say something to you, that makes it all the more valuable. It's, it's, but it's really cool. It's really cool that you approach it intentionally as opposed to just throwing books on a shelf, which I, in my experience in talking to you, to stores like yours, everything is done very intentionally and very thoughtfully. And you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of value in that. What are some unique ways that you guys drive traffic to the store? Lots of events. We got a beer and wine license. Recently, right? You, you didn't have it when I... Yeah. Okay. It's been a year and a half, I believe. So, and we, we kind of revamped our cafe, did a redesign. Our menu is a lot more elaborate and, in my opinion, very, very tasty. You, I noticed that you guys do some partnerships with like different local artisanal uh, bakeries and stuff like that. Are you still doing that? Yeah, for sure. Cool. We get a lot of baked goods from Homeboy Bakery, Village Bakery, Bicycle Coffee. We're down the street. Fantastic. Laura Ann Masura, who is our cafe manager, has a jam empire she runs, and she has incredible jams that nice. we use. And you still have the outdoor space too, right? Yeah, I'm sure it's one of the one of the more popular features of your store. And, and most bookstores in general don't really have outdoor terrace areas, so that's uh, one of the spaces that I was in when I was there a lot. Yeah, no, the patio is real nice, and we just built out our loft. Yeah, you mentioned that in uh, in an email. Where so you have a is there is there's a second level, or is it is there's it, a second level? I mean, it it can't. It's because of. Uh, ADA stuff. It's only office and storage space, and uh, uh, yeah. we'll be able to provide it for groups that want to have meetings. Um, but it won't be public seating. Got it. Got it. But I think we're gonna have a meditation group. We're gonna have some book clubs. It's gonna be nice. Very cool. So you're gonna become. You're gonna put your advice hat on now for me. Um, what do you say to people who want to open a bookstore today? How can they make it? How can they make it work if they don't have the, the the brand name that you have in terms of like you've you've been there, you've, you're an established store, you've been there for a decade plus. Um, what do you say to someone who's thinking about opening one today? 
do it. I mean, when before I became a partner in stories, I, I had been working there for a few years and me and a friend were going to open our own store. And it sounds like similar to you. We had everything in line and then ran into problems with the landlord of the potential space we were going to use. And then it, that changed. I became part owner of stories. Um, but if you're going to open a bookstore, choose your location wisely and, uh, Make sure you know why you're doing it. I mean, the why to me is the most important part. Like, if if you're gonna do it because you think it's it's it, you're gonna make a ton of money, then then you're you're a fool, right? But if you're doing it because you know it's the kind of life you want to live, that'll give you daily reminders that there is uh, meaning in literature and other people. Then it's worth whatever material sacrifice you'll have uh, to accept to do it. But plan, plan carefully. Advocating that more open is is a positive sign. I talked to somebody, I talked to uh, Green Apple Books in San Francisco, and uh, the owner, one of the owners there, his name is Pete, and he told me, I asked him the same question, and he told me that there's a guy that used to work for Facebook, a young guy, he's in his mid-late 20s, and he um, called on on him to basically pick his brain for an hour about how to open a bookstore and what to do. And um, he was taking some of the money that he had saved from working at Facebook to open a store in Brooklyn. And um, it's just cool to see because and what's what's happening is there, there's a lot of stores that are opening that aren't generalist stores they're kind of like picking niches and they're picking specific areas or genres to cover and then they're building an events business around that or an experience business around that they're getting creative to basically make the book selling part of it um and not not ancillary but you know they're not heavily reliant on day to day. Like I need to sell X number of books to make this month kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, having mixing stock of used to do is a great way of, yeah. of giving yourself a, a little, a little leeway in the profit margin you need to get by. Um, and specialty stores are, are, are fantastic. I mean, curation is the only reasonable justification for bookstores to exist in my mind anymore. Like Barnes and Noble and Borders going out of business was just seemed like an inevitability to me. You can't warehouse this type of thing. That's so personal. Well said. Speaking of Barnes and Nobles and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, when you see now that Amazon's opening physical stores, what do you make of that? Uh, I mean, it seems kind of like a joke to me. It's, the same business model with books, which has been very frustrating to everyone in the industry, is, is pretty much treating them as a loss leader, as a way of enticing people to buy other Amazon products. So, I don't, you know, it, it just seems, it seems, it seems rather cynical to me. From what, I mean, I haven't actually been to one of the stores, but from what I understand, books might be like a curiosity that, that, is luring people into the store, but their main intent is selling other Amazon products. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're buying aggressively, if you're buying books aggressively on Amazon, you have no incentive to go into the store to browse. You would just do it online and get it delivered. Um, but it's interesting to hear thoughts and it's unanimous. I, I don't have, no one has an answer. It's just, it's kind of a curious, uh, it's a curious choice 
on their part, but I, no. uh, but I, but I agree that you're, I, they're, they're trying to sell more. They're trying to sell prime memberships more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, that's their. And plus, I'm sure they get a good tax write off on whatever loss they're going to take opening these stores. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, what's the biggest pain point in your business? You're there every day. Like, what what frustrates you, or what what do you wish you could change? Um, people trying to buy shit while talking on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So general right. general human uh-huh. politeness. No, I mean, humans are humans. Yeah. You're going to get the full spectrum often. Um, I mean, I think, like, the best things about it, and, you know, it's like a parallax where one day what you appreciate most, which, you know, generally is the uh, interactions with other people, can in another light become the the most thorough source of frustration in any moment. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's you know, it's it's very circumstance and mood based. But you know, like especially like being in a bookstore in Echo Park, which is like just teeming with personalities and people. Now you're just kind of at a at a at a focal point for like you know, there's homelessness, there's mental health problems, there's identity politics conversations. There's you just some days feels like you're just in a maelstrom of. Um, you know, intractable societal problems that you're just in a kind of, but you can't, I, you don't, I don't have the choice of being a passive observer. I need, I, I need to be a participant even when I, you know, sometimes you're not in the mood to participate. Yeah, sure. That's at the store level in the kind of like a more like 30,000 foot level. What changes would you like to see within the book industry as a whole? Uh, I mean, as far as like quality of books coming out, it's fantastic. There's great shit coming out every month. There's new publishing houses opening all the time that are doing really interesting things. Um, trying to think what would improve. So I want to, I want to tack, tack on to what you just said. Um, new publishers are opening and starting up. These are, you're, you're referring to indie publishers. What are they, what are they seeing in the marketplace? Like, what are they doing that, that the bigger traditional powerhouse publishers aren't doing? Do you have any sense of what, what's going on with that? Well, I mean, they're doing the same thing as independent bookstores is you're getting, you're getting a very, uh, personalized selection to choose from. I mean, it's like record labels when I was growing up. Like, I would I would buy something just because a label was putting it out. Right. And you're seeing that coming and, back now with publishing. That's that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's not a cult media. There's Hat and Beard Press. There's Unnamed Press. There's Rare Bird Press. And this is all Los Angeles companies that have opened in the last three to five years. That's amazing. Yeah. Is there an innovation or thing nobody's doing in your business right now? Um, you know, I think about other things we could do all the time, but all of it, I don't know. I mean, it, all of it would seem more of a distraction than, than um, a distraction rather than an appendage of what our, what what our what our intent is like you know we just want to sell books to people yeah like we could we have online stores we uh we sell books at off-site events often we go to conferences and provide book sales for those those are good ways to supplement and it still involves the 
fundament of getting books to people. We sell books at music festivals. We've been going to Desert Days and Fuck Yeah Fest or FYF Fest. So I think like kind of cross-cultural experiments like that, like bringing little bookstores to music festivals or other places where you wouldn't necessarily expect to find them is a great way of reaching new people. We've gotten really fantastic response and we've done stuff like that. Mashing up with different cultural venues and cultural activities it sounds like a great yeah. like a great thing. Um, you said you said uh, you said something a minute ago. Um, ah, it, like my brain. It, I was listening to you so intently that I forgot what you said, but it was. I wanted to jump on that. Uh, maybe it'll come back to me. Um, I'm going to ask you like almost a little less than 10 questions more that you can call this kind of a lightning round. You can, you can answer them yes or no. Um, if you want to deep dive, feel free. Uh, what does the business look like to you in five years? Growth. Good. And what about 10 years? Continued growth. Do you think that print is always going to exist? Without a doubt. It's still a very, it's, 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 it's essential. Um, uh, screen fatigue is real. I mean, in the same way, uh, poetry will, will consciously or not slow down your way of processing information. It's, it's absolutely essential to a balanced mind, I believe. Yeah. That thing you said about poetry is going to, that's, that's definitely an outtake from this episode. That was fantastic. I can't, I never even thought about it in that way. Um, it's forced slow down mental mapping. It's great. Um, what are you reading right now? Um, right now I'm reading Ghetto Side. Oh, great book. great yeah, it's book. Fantastic. Oh, I love that book. There's this book Firework by Eugene Martin. I just finished uh, out by Tyrant Books. That was excellent. It's bleak as hell. Um, Ruins of Cash by Roberto Colasso. This very meditative history of this guy, Talleyrand, who survived through the death of the French monarchy through and kept serving in the various governments until Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Through Napoleon's fascinating story. I learned about um, him. I learned about him from that Robert Greene book. The I guess I think it's the Forty Eight Laws or the Forty Nine Laws of Power. He was a, he, he was a central figure in one of the one of the laws of power. Just just being just having no principles as a way of survival. Yeah, is that one of the laws? <laughs> well, if you haven't read that book or if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. I'm I'm sure you you might have a copy of it in your store. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I've definitely seen it. Yeah, but he I I know about him through that book because he was a very shrewd. Uh, let's just let's just call it shrewd individual. How do you find books to read? Like uh, you have a you kind of have like a front row seat to like quality stuff coming your way. But how, what's your filter? I mean, I do it the same way I I encourage others to just, you know, stumble upon pick it. up what you're drawn to. Trust your instincts. Are there any writers or creators out there you'd like to mention that you think should be getting more attention? Mm, well, this guy, Eugene Martin, who wrote Firework. Also on Tyrant Books, Scott McClanahan. Um, I think he gets a lot of attention, but he's pretty fantastic. Um, contemporary Otessa Moshfag is one of my favorites. She's incredible. Um, Jared Kobeck, he's been putting out a lot of great stuff. John Tottenham, poet. Yeah, Ariana Rines. There's, you know, it can go on. You did good. 
Thank you. Can you recall and share any surprise walk-in customers that stand out in your mind? And if there's a story there, feel free to share. Can I, can I share my my favorite bookseller story? This goes back to when I was at Book Soup, though. Sure. Okay. It sounds too good to be true, but it is a fact. It is a true story. I was uh, ringing up books, and this woman was buying a stack, and I was running her credit card, and I saw that her last name was Bartleme. And at that very moment, I told her, I said, oh, you know, I'm reading a, a book called The Dead Father by Donald Bartleme. And she goes, oh, well, that's funny. He is my dead father. <laughs> that was that was my favorite, you know, customer interaction. That's awesome. Yeah. Most surprising drop-in at stories. Hmm. There's been so many. Well, there's 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 a guy named Cam that he lived in the park and very very loud, very very obnoxious. Um, you know, he was he was homeless. He's an artist. He's full of uh, life, you could say. <laughs> and you know, for for a good while, he would just annoy the shit out of me and. And then it was one of those things which has happened so many times where somebody that I would initially like make assumptions about that would drive me fucking nuts. Um, I actually ended I I would develop very strong affection for as time went on. Yeah, you sort of settle in. Those are the most instructive relationships I've picked up at the store. What's on the store soundtrack right now? Mm, that's always changing. John Cale is a perennial favorite. Um, been listening to the Ambitious Lovers, Ardo Lindsay's band, also one of the best band names ever. Um, and then the, you know, there's the perennials like uh, David Bowie is in constant rotation. You can't go wrong with that ever. Um, if you weren't a bookseller, what would you be doing? It's a good question. Uh, I imagine I would be in books or publishing somewhere somehow. Maybe if I if I hadn't got fully absorbed into the book selling world, I would have um, tried to write one by now. But I have no regrets. Is there a great piece of advice that you got from a book that's kind of sat with you that you can share? Mm. Well, I mean the the whole of Brothers Karamazov is is incredibly instructive in a thousand different ways. Um, we live as we dream alone, as Joseph Conrad said in Heart of Darkness. That's something that comes back to me often. Um, but there, I saw I, I saw this printed somewhere, and for such like a, a kind of bumper sticker like sentiment, it it's what's motivated me when things get um, I don't know a little a little dower is because books change people and people change the world that's a rejoinder that that will keep me focused when when i'm losing it well said what uh, uh complete this sentence for me los angeles is beautiful a couple more what book have you recommended the most over the years if you had to recommend one book to me right now um, that you recommend to a lot of other people, what would it be? Uh, probably The End of the Affair by Graham Greene. You know, it's, I'm kind of embarrassed to actually admit um, I've never read anything by Graham Greene, and uh, I, I've heard about him my whole adult life. 
Lou, you're missing out. You have so much to look forward to, though. It's on my list. But End of the maybe the reason I, I, I feel so safe recommending it is because the story is good. There's like there's three qualities that I look for in a book that's truly exceptional. Like the story has momentum, the prose has beauty, and the writing has insight. And Graham Greene hits all those in many of his books without fail. Last but not least, what's in your ideal sandwich? Sprouts. Sprouts and any kind of meat. I like the texture of sprouts. Alex, this has been awesome. Uh, thank oh, you wait, so- let me tell you. Yeah. Let me tell you one more thing. Lawrence Azarad was the man who designed the story's logo. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vic. I'm Vic Singh, and you've been listening to Book Stories. Book Stories is produced by Alternate Thursdays in Los Angeles.